0: a uh, Wednesday it is the middle of the week it is uh, just a couple of days before uh, Christmas and um, are we doing a podcast on Friday John on Christmas day do we know no I
1: think we'll uh, we'll have one ready for you on Saturday
0: oh well that'll be nice yeah it's the Bob McCallum podcast yours truly along with John Shannon and we are um, pleased to be joined by a new homeowner in the midst of all the problems that go with that Uh, Kurt Menefee, the host of uh, Fox NFL Sunday. Nice sweatshirt, Menefee, too. Got the Expo shirt on for those that are just listening. Yes, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, first
2: of all. Uh, And this is 100% coincidental. We just moved into this house on Monday. It's Wednesday, so we've been here less than 48 hours. So needless to say, there are a lot of boxes and things I can't find right now. I found we're in in Southern California, the Santa Barbara area. Yeah. So the mornings are... Little chilly by our terms. Mm-hmm. It's like you know 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So uh so you need a sweatshirt when you go out in the morning. I just pulled it out, went to town, grabbed some breakfast because we can't cook here yet. Came back home, and uh my wife was like, Did you wear that for the podcast? And I was like, Oh, it didn't even connect. So this is one of my favorite sweatshirts, is my old expo sweatshirt. I love it. I've always even as a kid, I grew up in Atlanta. I love that logo, it just it fascinated yeah. me. So you know, once they you know ceased being, um, it was grab all the exposed gear I can find and then just stash it away. So I love it.
0: Now were you a Glad fan of the team you or just the logo? Were you a fan well, of the team? Were you a fan of the team or the logo? Yeah, I, I was just the a fan logo? of
2: the team, but they were like, you
0: know, look, I was
2: a I grew up in Atlanta, I was a Braves fan. Yeah. Uh and they were in the National League as well. Yeah. So I couldn't root for them over the Braves. They were also in the National League East. I mean, you know, so I, you know, I mean, look, I like Warren Cromarty. I mean, I like the team. they were individuals, but the Braves were my team. They were my, if you would, second favorite team uh, in the National League. So, and I hated everybody in the American League.
1: <laughs> glad to see you. Glad to see you're wearing a sweatshirt. I just, I, I hope you found a pair of pants in the boxes too, though. That's all. That's well, that's why the camera's up
2: here only. So. <laughs> okay, we get it.
0: Uh, look at. Um, i think at the beginning of the year there would have been absolutely nobody kurt that would have said the pittsburgh steelers will go 11-0 and and look like a potential super bowl team i mean uh, could they have been good yeah i think we expect them to be pretty good win the division yeah probably win their division but um 11-0 no uh coincidentally if three weeks ago i had told you that the steelers are going to lose their next three games and all of a sudden people would be shaking their heads at what's wrong with this team. You would have said, no, that's not going to happen, especially when you consider who they lost to. The Bills, okay, you can figure that one. The other two are a little goofy. Have you been able to ascertain what is going on in Pittsburgh and whether this is a terminal thing?
2: I think it's a terminal thing only because of the competition they have in the AFC. I mean, I, I think even when they were 11-0, and, and, and we can go back. I don't make many predictions on the air, but I, I Pittsburgh was my uh, Super Bowl team. If Kansas City, something happened to them. I thought nobody's beating Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But if Mahomes got hurt or something else, Pittsburgh, I thought, was the next best team. Um, didn't expect them to go 11-0, don't get me wrong. But as the season goes on, it's clear, again, unless Kansas City gets injuries, nobody's beating them. Uh, I think Buffalo is better than Pittsburgh. Um, you know, depending on the matchup, I mean, Tennessee could be, and I know they beat them head to head, but that was then, this is now. So I, I think the path becomes too difficult for them to make it to the Super Bowl, especially now. They may wind up being the three seed uh, in the AFC. Um, and so I, I think when you look at them, their flaws are something that they can't overcome in a month. They can't run the football. Um, they can't, you know, they, their uh, offensive line, which has been kind of what's carried them through is not as strong, which is part of the reason they can't run the football. But Big Ben can't throw the, the ball downfield, or they don't throw the ball downfield. I shouldn't say he can't. They don't try. They don't challenge. Um, You know, what was it? A couple of games ago, it was the Washington game. You know, he threw 50 times, but he averaged less than two yards an attempt. I mean, you can't. So basically, they're trying to use that as their run game because right. they can't run the football. And when it comes to winter football, playoff football, January football, you've got to be able to run it. And I don't think they can so I don't think they can overcome it this season. Um, and the question then becomes, what do you do about Big Ben long-term? I mean, he'll be 39 years old next year. And I think so many of us have gotten fooled by Tom Brady being 43 and still playing. You know, he's, he's not the same Tom Brady, but still playing at a Super Bowl level. Uh, and we see Drew Brees, even with the injuries, you know, broken ribs, you can't control that no matter what your age. But we get fooled and think all these guys can play into their 40s, and that's just not the way it is. I mean, it's an anomaly for guys to be able to play that long. And I don't think that Big Ben is one of those guys that's gonna be playing when he's 42, 43. So I think they've got to figure out what they do long-term at quarterback. So we've kind of reached the turning point in a weird way. Them going 11-0 forced them now to be at a a fork in the road rather than being uh, on their path to greatness for a
1: while you know you're uh, being on fox you i think you probably have a little more interest in the nfc than you do the afc so the the biggest question for me would be the giants the eagles the cowboys washington what the heck i mean come on but it, 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 in theory I, I i guess there could be a uh, a division champion with seven victories is that fair uh, yes in theory there could be i'm trying to do math here real quick yes seven wins
2: so, uh, I mean, in theory, there could be one with six wins, you know what I mean? So, it just depends on how these last couple of weeks shake out. Uh, but I, the one thing I will say, and look, it's bad this year. But I go back to, and I'd have to, again, do the math, I think it was three years ago, maybe four years ago, though, four seasons ago, where we were talking the same thing about the NFC West and how bad that right. division was and somebody's going to win it and they're going to be below 500. Three years later, they're the best division in football. They've got the NFC representative in the Super Bowl back-to-back years. I see kind of, not saying you can predict the Super Bowl three years from now, but I see the NFC East on that path. I think the Giants are set to begin to make a run and be a good team for three, four, five years. I think Washington, they've got to straighten out their quarterback situation, but I think the rest of that team is set to make a run. They Both those teams, they can be San Francisco and uh, Arizona And the Rams, you know, that we're looking three years ago and say, okay, that was the foundation when they built it to get into something. I think Philadelphia is in the same boat. Obviously, their quarterback situation is up in the air. I'm still a believer in Carson Wentz. I think that sometimes you just need to hit pause and kind of start over. And I think that's where he is. And whether that starting over is with a different team or not, we'll find out. But even if not, I think not only what we've seen of Jalen Hurts, but I think what he does fits their offense even a little bit better than Wentz anyway. So I think whichever guy winds up being the guy going forward, and they've got to pick one. I don't think they can keep both there. Um, I think that they will be another team that can keep building because they've got some youth that's around them. That I think the three or four years from now we're gonna look at this east and think it's a pretty darn good division.
1: Washington's the best of the worst though, right now, you think?
2: Right now I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think well, again, <laughs> you know, we get to that time of year. Assuming Alex Smith comes back, you know, he missed last okay. week with a calf injury. Um it, it's so funny we're not talking about his leg anymore and the broken leg and the 17 surgeries. Now it's okay. Can he just come back and play because he had an injured calf like any other quarterback. If he does, they're the best team. If he's not there, then obviously I think they're not as good, but I I think the giants Daniel Jones is fighting injuries right now. And I don't think that they're all around as good as, as Washington is.
0: I'm not here to argue with you. Um, you know, a lot more than I do and you follow this a lot closer than, than I do. I concede, but I, you know, I've seen Wentz a couple of times. year he just he looks lost
2: yeah i agree with that he's lost right now and that's why i say i think sometimes in life for all of us you have that that period you go i just need to pause i need a time out and this is what this is for him and the restart may be with a different franchise you know if you look at him going to indianapolis or somewhere else that may be the fresh start he needs um but i do think that even if he stays in philadelphia if they Right out the rest of this year and assume they don't make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, you know, with Jalen Hurts, it's a whole different story because it's Nick Foles 2.0. Um, but if they don't, he gets a chance to reset the offseason. He gets to regroup, and he gets to come back refocused. Because one thing I can tell you is that his teammates are still big fans of his there. He hasn't lost the locker room. None of that has happened. Um, and I go back to even a year ago. This time last year, Philadelphia stunk. But they won their last four games to win the division, mainly because he put them on his back. I mean, they were literally signing guys off the street and signing them to play wide receiver. And two weeks later, they were catching the winning touchdown passes. So I, I still believe that he can do it. He's just in the funk right now. He's got to get out of, and and it needs to be paused. They did the right thing. We'll just see where it restarts. I, I haven't given up on him
1: long-term at all. But When when you look, though, between Hurts and Wentz, um... You wonder where the blueprint for the uh, the modern day quarterback is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you I mean you look at Murray, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at Hertz, I mean, they're they're all that smaller, mobile, great arm. Carson mm-hmm. uh, Wentz is he's he, he's the prototypical pro quarterback. Yeah, but uh, Wentz offenses, is Offenses more... are changing.
2: Yeah, I, no, I, I do agree with that. I mean, I, I think the days of the drop back statue you know guy is moving on let's say it that way i'm not saying you can't win i mean like tom brady can't move i could see tampa winning a super bowl this year because they're built so well everywhere else uh justin herbert is more mobile than you think but he's your six foot six stand in the pocket guy and he can run when necessary but you're never going to build an offense around him running so i mean there are anomalies everywhere i guess you could say but I, i do agree with you i think that dual threat has become a bigger part of the National Football League now. But it's because it's been such a big part of the college game for years. So you're getting the best quarterbacks. That's how they grew up playing. So when you get them to the next novel, you're not going to go, if you're wise, don't do that anymore. Just stay back there in the pocket and throw the football. If you can have a guy that can put more pressure on defenses by being able to run, by making them pay attention to more things uh, during the practice week. So I agree with you wholeheartedly that Jalen Hurts and and Kyler is a little smaller physically than those guys, but that style of quarterback is the way we're headed for long-term.
0: With uh, Kurt Menefee of uh, Fox, it's intriguing to think back not so many years ago when smaller mobile quarterbacks managed to make it to the National Football League. We immediately said, you know, the clock started to tick, Kurt, and like how long before they get hurt? How long before... Sorry?
2: I'm saying even last year when, Mur- when Kyler Murray came out as the number one pick in the draft, everybody goes, oh yeah, but he's, you know, he's a little guy. He can't run like that in the NFL. He's going to take a pounding. How long can he last? And, you know, he, he hurt his shoulder a couple weeks ago, but I mean, that's like any other quarterback. He has not taken a big hit. He's, you know, he's fast. He's mobile. But one of the things, and I think Russell Wilson was one of the first guys, and sorry to interrupt the question here. Not at all. But, you know, Murray's a baseball guy. um, um Russell Wilson's a baseball guy. Um, Patrick Mahomes, a baseball guy. These guys, I think, one, they know how to slide, (laughs) which certainly helps them avoid taking hits. But I think Wilson was kind of the guy who broke the mold and made guys realize you don't have to be a tough guy all the time. Learn when to, I'm going to give up two yards on this run and get out of bounds because it allows me to play another down. And by playing another down, I'll get the two yards rather than trying to lower my shoulder and prove I'm a tough guy and take the hit.
0: I guess the the finish of the question is, um, there have been rule changes Mm -hmm. in the last 10, 15, 20 years since we first started seeing young quarterbacks. Is that a big factor in why these littler guys, younger guys, more mobile guys seem to be able to stay healthier? Huge. Huge. It is, huh?
2: Because if you're a defensive player, until the quarterback's running, you you can't get a good shot on him because you're going to get flagged. And not only do you get flagged, you get fined. Um, and so guys have backed off. I mean, it's changed the rules of the game in order to keep the quarterbacks upright because we all sure. as fans want to watch star quarterbacks play. We don't want to see the third quarterback on the team because they've lost the other two guys during the season because of big hits. So it's benefited the game from a viewership standpoint. But I, I think that's a huge contributor because now smaller guys, you know, as you said, 10 years ago, the same guy is going to take a hit from a 300-pound guy. That now that 300-pound guy is going to get close and do that and lay off, and, you know, not put his hands on him. So that allows the guy another reason that he lives another down. 100% agree.
1: I gotta, I gotta ask you, and you can defer if you don't want to, but you you sit on a desk with t- two of the greats in my mind: Howie Long on the on the defensive side, Terry Bradshaw on the other side. And they watch these new rules and it must drive them crazy. When, they're, when their mics aren't on and when they're sitting back, I mean, you know, because with what Bradshaw went through as a player, mm-hmm. with what Long went through as a player long before these rule changes, I mean, we've seen it in, in the sport that I cover a lot in hockey where people say, hey, you know, it wasn't what it used to be. But do those guys lament things like that? I I don't think so. And,
2: uh, you know, I'd be honest with you. I mean, look, we all see, we watch games, we go, oh, that hit should have been flagged or I can't believe that was a flag. I mean, we do that with with everything. But I don't think they're any more normal than any other fan um, because they are fans. They want to see, like I just said, they want to see star players play. They don't want to see guys get hurt. I think they're more sympathetic towards not seeing guys injured. And, you know, so, you know, Terry went through it, how he inflicted some of it. But they know if a guy doesn't have to do that and he can keep playing, And you know, why why wouldn't you? I mean, there are a lot of things in life, you know, we don't smoke cigarettes in the car while we fill it up with gas anymore either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there are things that we <laughs> used to do that you go, oh, it's not like it was in the old days. That It's not like that for a reason. So I, I think that they are pretty, pretty open about, hey, wow, that was a hit that should not have taken place. Or get up. They don't want to see anybody hurt.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that the smoking um, while you're filling up your car was the (laughs) smartest idea under any circumstances. (laughs) Exactly. It might not have been the law, Kurt. It might have been just we were too stupid, I guess, if we did it. Um, You know, we talked earlier a little bit about the uh, NFC East and how, well, pathetic it is. On the other side of the equation, I saw um, uh, after the weekend or maybe after Monday night's game, I can't recall, What it looks like for the wild card race in the AFC, Mm -hmm. you know, eleven win team, eleven win team, a ten win team, another ten win team. I I think the Raiders are still alive at seven and seven, but like, yeah, by the by the skin of their teeth, right? Um, Is could that have been predicted? I mean, but there there are some surprises in that group as well.
2: You know, it's really interesting that, remember, we added a seventh playoff team this year when the season started. And despite that, you're going to have a team that wins 10, maybe 11 games in the AFC, not make it. Not make it, yeah. Yeah. With an extra playoff spot, still not make it. Because you look at it, either Baltimore or Miami won't make the playoffs. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. uh, Because the wild cards would be Cleveland will get one. Whoever doesn't win the AFC South, either the Tennessee Titans or um, Indianapolis, they're going to get the other. So it's going to leave one spot, and it's going to be either Miami or Baltimore. If Baltimore wins out and Miami loses once, it's Baltimore. If Miami wins out, it's Miami. It's that simple. Um, But one of those teams is too good to not be in the playoffs, you feel. Uh, and So I don't know if that would have been predicted. I think that most people, again, let's go back to where we were at the beginning of the season. I think most people were just hoping we got a season in, <laughs> you know, uninterrupted. And, and so far so good, we've been able to do that. But I think you thought that there would be a lot more teams that struggled with no training camps, with, you know, stop and start and, and you know, COVID protocols. And sometimes you can practice, sometimes you can't. That there would be more teams that are around that eight and eight, seven and nine um, situation. And that's not the case in the AFC. So I think that is the big surprise from from that standpoint for sure. And it's sad to see one of these teams not make it. I think in a weird way, it's more important for Baltimore to make it than Miami, because Miami is still building. And last year, they finished a little ahead of where you thought they would. This year, they finished ahead of where you thought they would. So if they make the playoffs, I won't say it's gravy, because that's what they're playing for. But it's still a bonus, whereas Baltimore is a team that had Super Bowl expectations. If they don't even make the playoffs, then that's a bigger disappointment.
0: Well, and their defense has been suspect um, um, with some consistency. And I think you would agree, uh, defense is is harder to fix in the middle of a season. Mm-hmm. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, yeah. no, no, I, 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 I would agree. Um, you know, I think part of the challenge when you look at trying to make changes in a season like this, I think it's hard for everybody. Um, the one team that has done it this year, though, you got to give them credit, is Seattle. That defense was historically bad midway through the season. I mean, I, when I say that, they were putting giving up more yards than any defense in the, the National Football League on a per-game basis. And they, you know, one, they got healthier. I mean, I, that was part of it. Uh, well, Jamal sure. Adams got healthier, but they went out and they made, made the trades for Carlos Dunlap, uh, and that changed. So periodically you can, but it, as you said, yeah, it, it's harder to – because you pretty much are what you are on defense. You know, with offense, you can maneuver some things, you can run more, you can pass more, whatever your strength becomes, because you're dictating to the defense. Defense is, is you want to dictate to the offense, but in reality, you're reacting to the offense. So it's harder to make changes because if you can't stop the pass, you can't stop the pass. You know what I mean? You can try and put more pressure, you can do other things, but you're not going to be able to go out on the street and get better cornerbacks than you got, or else you would have had them to begin
1: with. You know, they, they, here in Canada, there are pockets of NFL fans. Obviously, mm-hmm. in the West, the Seahawks are probably the most popular team. Uh, I, I'm going to get rid of the Browns because that's Bob's team. I'm not going to talk <laughs> about them. The Bills the Bills are obvious for Southern Ontario. The yeah. other team is the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. The other team is as frustrating a team as anybody's seen this year. When you think about the talent that Mike Zimmer has on his roster, and yet they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And what really happened in Minnesota? What really happened? Currently? That's
2: a team that I think, as we sit here in, in you know the week of Christmas and look back, is what I thought a lot more teams would be this season. I talk about not having a training camp. Remember, and I think they lost eight players on defense. Um, you know, so they got a lot of new faces. They got a lot of rookies on both sides of the ball, um, and so it took a while for them to kind of gel. You know, they got off to that one and five start. But then all of a sudden they put everything together you're like okay they've got it figured out but then rookies became rookies again and we get to this point in the season and it becomes difficult for them um and so that's where they're starting to lose games again with that defense but i i think that there's going to be fine for the long term with the players they have um kirk cousins is kirk cousins so you accept who he is and learn to play football with that and you can win with that you know i i think they've shown that so but i i do Think that they are indicative of what I thought a lot I thought half the league was going to be like Minnesota where they look great one week and horrible the next and you just can't figure it out. Um and so I think that's what's happened to them. The other do G- you think
1: was- you talked about training camp and and no no preseason games. Mm-hmm. Do, do you ever see a chance that there will be reduced preseason games yes. in the future when next we're back? Year.
2: Yeah I, I think that this opened the door for them to do what they wanted to do for a while. Um, and just to, to finish up that though, one of the things that we talk about the teams that are struggling in general are teams that are young. The teams have either new coaches, young coaching staffs, um, young players like Minnesota, the veteran coaches with veteran players, they've done better this year. You know, they Kansas City or even Seattle, you know, Buffalo, that group's been together for a while. They know how to get through on a week to week basis, on on a game to game basis, how to practice, what the the, the procedures are. And I think that has helped those teams this year. Um, But I I think that for a while the NFL has wanted to, I know for a fact Roger Goodell has been public about saying, he'd love to see two preseason games. The owners, they get revenue for preseason because they make fans buy tickets as part of the package. Yet, you know, they don't have to pay the players. You know, every player in the league gets a set salary for preseason, which is comparatively nothing for the, you know, it's not part of their contract. So they are collecting a lot more money because they're getting the revenue as a regular game without having to pay out the rest of it. So the owners don't want to give up those two home games they get for the preseason and reduce it to one. But I think that this year by not having any uh, and seeing that the game didn't fall off the cliff, by knowing that they can add a 17th regular season game, I think the, the bargaining chip is they probably want 18. But I I do see, I think next year, I'd be shocked if we have four preseason games. Uh, I'd be surprised if we have three. So I I think three may be a compromise to get to two, but there's no way we're gonna have four next year, I don't believe, at all.
0: Uh, Kurt Menefee is with us. I wanna get back to something you said very early on here and and then repeated in a a slightly different context. Um, And as a preamble to that, my first memory of the National Football League was watching um the great Jim Brown run. Well, I don't know well, the I, ever- <laughs> I thought you were gonna
1: say Otto <laughs> Graham. I thought you were gonna say Otto Graham.
0: Not quite, John. I mean I'm not quite as old as you, but uh, but so I grew up in an era where the running game came first and the passing game came second. Uh, the undefeated Dolphin team, Greasy, mm-hmm. rarely threw fifteen passes in a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, was he effective when he did it? Yes. Um, but the running game was where it started. Uh, We all know the rarity of running backs being taken at the top of the NFL draft. The game has evolved over the past 20 years into a pass first, run second um, thing. Mm -hmm. But is that now about to change? Are we seeing that wheel come all the way around Given the success of teams running the football, not that they don't throw, what Mm -hmm. a Baker Mayfield had 32 passes the other day, but he's got two great running backs. I don't think they're each going to get 1,000 yards, but there was a point in the year where you thought they might. Where do you think we are on this philosophical run versus pass thing?
2: I think as a league, I think we're going to be passed first for a while. Uh, There will always be exceptions. You know, I mean, you remember when we talk about even going back to the 80s, in, in what they were doing in the run and shoot, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe they passed the ball 50 times a game because no one else is doing it. You know, that looks so different. And I think the run game will always be like that. You're always going to have a Tennessee where they've got a Derrick Henry sure. who can run for 2,000 yards, but they're the only team that can do that. You may have a team that Cleveland, who's got two backs that can combine for 2,000 yards, but there are not many teams that can do that. If we do, get more teams that run the ball. I think it will be more in that Cleveland mindset. I think that Derrick Henry is gonna be one in each year of the league for the next 10 years. I don't think we're gonna have three teams with a Derrick Henry anymore. That workhorse back who's gonna get 30, 35 touches and get a hundred yards a week, uh, 150 yards a week. Um, Not as a running back, maybe a Dalvin Cook where you're gonna throw him some short passes, Alvin Kamara and they may touch the ball that many times, but certainly not out of the backfield running. So I think that that's where the evolution is, and that the new running game is the short passing game. So it will still all be a pass first league, but the pass is not always going to be a deep pass. It's going to be a a three-yard screen pass or a three-yard dump pass that turns into an eight-yard gain rather than an eight-yard pass. And so much of this comes from the fact that football used to filter down from the pros. To the lower levels mm-hmm. it filters up now these kids at quarterback are in passing camps when they're 11 years old and they've decided right when we were growing up you played you know in Canada I'm sure hockey in the winter you know in the U.S. you played you know basketball in the winter uh, yeah baseball, we were multi-sport games, athletes yeah football in the fall yeah. you developed a lot of different skills but you didn't dedicate yourself to one I think it made you a better athlete overall but that's a different argument But now these kids are 11, 12. They're like, okay, I'm going to play quarterback. Well, in the spring, I'm I'm playing spring football. In the summer, I'm going away to a passing camp, you know, maybe down the road, but it's going to be me and a bunch of other quarterbacks and wide receivers. So their whole life, they're passing the ball. They're reading concepts. They're reading defenses. They're learning this at different stages, but their Mm -hmm. entire life. And so that filters up to the high school level. Then when they get to high school, the colleges say, well, I can't recruit saying I'm going to run the ball because I need to get the best quarterback I can. I need to get the sexiest player I can so I can keep winning and keep my job. So then that becomes the co- college level. Then you get to the pros. They're going, to like, well, why am I going to change this guy if you're smart? This is what he does best. This is what we're going with. So it's filtered up that way. And I think this will be for quite a while. And then somebody will shock. There'll be a Belichick of 2035 who will come in and do that. Everybody will, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that having forgotten that that's how it used to be. Everything
1: cycles, but I think this cycles here for quite a while. Well, the other thing is that running backs became disposable because yeah. the amount of injuries that they had. I mean, let's face it, the physical – that was that was the only part of the game that stayed as physical as it ever was through decades. And they, they couldn't last that long anymore. Yep. I mean, D- Derrick Henry is such an anomaly. Yep. His size, his speed – Uh, and and, you know there's going to be one day that he gets hurt yeah there is going to be one day he gets hurt and and all of a sudden boom everybody
2: can say see I told you you can't carry the ball 300 times a year and do that you can't last forever it may be 10 years from now you know because we (laughs) see Adrian Peterson now look you know he's on his last legs but he lasted a lot longer than I think many people thought but also I go back to Derek Henry and I I do think he is as you said an, an anomaly right now um, but people forget his first couple of years, he split duty in, in the backfield with Deion Lewis who was the other running back, right. kind of a thunder and lightning thing, which I think allowed him to have a little bit more tread on the tires to get to that second contract, which we don't see many guys at the running back position do that, usually after their four years or five years, and it's time for the second contract, you're like, oh, I can't pay this guy because he's close to being done. You know, He didn't have that at the beginning, which got him that second contract
0: you know the other thing that occurs to me and I, I i can't verify that it's actually true but if you if you are a predominantly passing team teaching your offensive line principally to, to pass block is a totally different thing than teaching your offensive line to run block 100 percent, and that's what most of those guys come up with i remember
2: again i'd have to, to go back to whatever year it was but jermaine effetti was the first round pick of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, they played him at guard then, and now he's playing at, at tackle and, and with the Bears. So it must have been five, six years ago. But anyway, he was the number one pick, I think 18th overall. You know, between 15 and 20. And I remember talking to him. Came out of Texas A&M, and he said the first time he ever got in a three-point stance was when he went to training camp in an NFL team.
0: Wow! So, I mean, wow. so think
2: of this, this yeah. because it's what we're talking. He's pass blocking, so they teach these kids they are in two-point stands to be able to take the rush and back pedal. So in, in grade school, high school, college, he never had to get in a three-point stance. So that's why it is such a different skill to get to the NFL, put your hand on the ground, now go forward and be a run blocker. Well, he's never done that in his life. So you can be a skilled athlete, but it's gonna take you a while to figure it out and learn that, and that's part of, of, of that evolution that I say has already happened, and the passing game is why it will stay, I think, pass first. Because you'd have to reteach all of your offensive linemen. But also, you see another side effect of that is that's why you see teams now taking guys who play defensive line and trying to convert them to offensive line. Because they're like, well, I got to teach the guy anyway. You know, if he didn't know how to run block in college and I got to teach him, I may as well take a guy who I think is a better athlete as a defensive lineman and teach him how to do that. You know, so I mean, there, there are a couple of examples of that as well.
1: The only thing you can't teach is size. Yeah, and so yeah. <laughs> you can't teach speed either. That's Tyreek we Hill.
0: Well, you can't teach touch either. So you want to get down to the different things that you can't teach. So I think it might be a longer list than we thought. That's true. You can't teach
2: marks either. You know, there are lots of examples of that. <laughs> uh, there
0: you go. Uh, listen, before we let you go, you know, you got to have the obligatory "Who do you like?" Um, uh, well, can anybody
1: beat Kansas City? Can no. anybody beat Kansas City?
2: Kansas City beats Kansas City. That's it. If if, if yeah. they play their game, nobody beats them. You know, again, everything in injury aside, obviously. Uh if yeah. Patrick Mahomes goes down, it's a whole different story. But if they are remotely healthy, unless they beat themselves, nobody beats them.
0: Well, um, they are good. Uh they won't go undefeated, but they'll go probably um as they'll cool. go undefeated
2: the rest of this way, I think.
0: Oh, I think you're right, too. Uh, we will see what materializes, uh, over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, we wish you a, uh, a Merry Christmas. Congratulations on the new house. Thank you. Thank you. I hope the damn plumbing gets fixed.
2: <laughs> well, it, it got quieter while I was here. So I, am taking that as a good sign. Yeah, well, that that doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: hey, Kurt, happy.
2: Ho- the worst
0: problems to have, you know, I, I hear you. Uh, have happy holidays to you and your family. And, uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to chat with you down the road sometime. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
2: And next time I'm on, I've, I've got my uh, old Atlanta Flames t-shirt. I'll wear that for Whoa. You. you. Whoa. Know
1: Whoa. They, they broke my heart when
2: I was 15, but don't get me started on that.
1: So so now, I got to ask, did you have a favorite player when you went to the Omni? When you went to no. the Omni to watch them play? Uh, well, here's here's the
2: the, the I want to tell you the answer but it's going to sound like, I hate when people go, who's your favorite Yankee? And they go, um, you know, Derek Jeter. You're like, oh, well, of course, you know. But Jim Craig, who turned out not to be that great a, a player in the National Hockey League. But he, you know, he was on the 1980 Olympic team. He came to the Flames. He was supposed to save the franchise. You rally around him. And not, obviously he had other issues, you know, off the ice and that kind of thing. But, you know, that was kind of um, towards the end. But that's the guy that I, I guess as a teenage, young hockey fan invested in because I thought he was going to help save our franchise.
1: So the, 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 the great story about the Jim Craig going to the flames was they had no money left. They had zero money on their payroll. So they went and got a hundred thousand dollars from Coca-Cola. And so the Coca-Cola head office in Atlanta, they went yep. there and they they gave them a new sponsorship deal and Coke put a hundred thousand dollars up to pay Jim Craig for the rest of the season.
2: I see that. I didn't know. That's good to hear. Did, they should have given him two hundred thousand. Maybe it would have worked better. But yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, he still couldn't stop well very many
1: pucks. Yeah, he couldn't true. stop pucks that well. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I know.
2: And as we said, he had other issues that you know, you know. God bless him. So,
0: Kurt, we're gonna let you go. Thanks, pal. All Thank the best. You. Take care. See you again, Kurt Menefee, the uh, host of Fox NFL Sunday. For John, this is Bob. If we don't see you, Merry, Merry Christmas.
1: Christmas.
0: Yes, yeah. and to you too, John you too robert all the best uh, and the same to you and um if the crick don't rise we'll have another podcast for you we think on the weekend but stay tuned mm-hmm. something soon all the best bye for now